I wonder what you would try if you could not fail at it. What would you try to do in this lifetime if you 100% there was no failure, you were guaranteed to succeed at it? And that's going to be largely what we hope to set intentions around at this new moon. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you some mindset shifts to hopefully make you feel empowered to go for whatever that thing is. And hopefully, as always, the yoga practices and journal prompts offered at the end will help you embody this energy even better because that's what a yogi scope is. So first of all, I'd like to extend you a warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I'm a Vedic sidereal astrologer and a budding yoga therapist. I don't have my certification yet, but I am actively seeing clients to get my certification. So what that means is, first of all, here on the Yogi Scopes podcast, we pair the Vedic sidereal astrology, I'll say more about that in a second, with yoga practices. That's what a Yogi Scope is, a yoga horoscope. And we always end with yoga practices and journal prompts for whatever astrological weather is going on. So usually an episode will focus on one thing like this one, the new moon in sidereal Sagittarius. Sometimes, actually most of the time, I cannot talk about just one thing personally. Like we know nothing is happening in a vacuum and I tend to try to bring it all in, all the pieces that feel relevant of what is impacting this new moon in Sagittarius and making it different than maybe any other new moon in Sagittarius because the new moons and full moons will move throughout the signs in largely the same order at the same time of year um, every year, right? And so that's how we can kind of see the seasonal energies playing out astrologically and Ayurvedically. But then we always have a little bit different undercurrent, a little bit different flavor or flair based on all of the other stuff that's happening, like when eclipses are, which changes every year, um, or mostly every year, things like that, what the other planets are doing and what their role is. And all of that is for the purpose of helping you heal from your past traumas and karmas through emotional awareness, body awareness that we get through these journaling and yoga practices. So that's what we're here to do. Welcome. Um, I did say I would say more about the sidereal zodiac. So FYI, if you're out there on the internet, existing, minding your business, not minding your business, whatever, if you, especially if you use social media, or I find that most people, when they're earlier on, or not, maybe even not early in their astrology journey, when they want to start diving deeper into astrology, so you have to be somewhat not brand new, usually when you start diving deeper, we're usually getting our information about what's happening astrologically from searching the internet, either whether that's search engines, or I guess now a lot of people use social media to search things more often. Anyway, wherever you're getting your information, it's likely that you're going to hear that this new moon is in a different sign and it can be super confusing at first. It's a huge point of confusion for folks. I think most folks, when they come to me, they're like, I don't know, I'm confused because you're hearing all this stuff on the internet and people are just saying things and they're not explaining it. So that's why I'm always trying to explain it. That Vedic astrology uses the sidereal zodiac, which is different than Western astrology, or if you're out there in search land, whether on search engines or social media, 
what you're probably going to find is what most people call just astrology and they don't differentiate. They don't call it Western astrology, but when we're coming from a Vedic astrology lens, that's our differentiating factor is you're largely in one or two of the camps. You're in Vedic sidereal land or Western tropical land. So they use different zodiacs, which means the signs of where things are happening is going to be a little bit off. And I have some resources about that. They're usually linked in the description under actually the show notes under the podcast. So if you're watching this on YouTube, go find it on a podcast player. I don't know. Sometimes I do actually put it on YouTube too, but you can also go to my website, yogiscopes.com slash blog or just yogiscopes.com and click on articles at the top and you'll find some resources there about more of the difference. So anyway, that's all to say, I usually, I try not to like ramble about it too much, but it turns out I'm encountering more and more people that are like super confused about it. So here we are. This new moon is happening in sidereal Sagittarius. And of course, as always, I'm going to tell you about the vibes of Sagittarius, the archetypes of Sagittarius that are feeding into the energy, and of course, other things that are happening in the night sky to feed into the energy to how we arrive at this meaning that we make from it. Because that's what astrology is. So first of all, the new moon is happening on January 11th, 2024. It's the first new moon of the year at 6.56 a.m. Eastern time. So here's the thing. It's happening around 7 in the morning, Eastern time. That's going to change based on your time zone, right? Like it could be, I don't know, if you're on the other side of the world, it could be midnight overnight of Wednesday into Thursday, January 10th into January 11th. But the important part is it's happening overnight Wednesday into Thursday. I don't think we need to split hairs too much about the absolute peak. The only time it really matters, I think, for the absolute peak is if there's like an eclipse and we're trying to see it right? Otherwise, it doesn't really matter as long as you're doing some kind of new moon reflection within like three days, you know, like a day and a half either side of that peak time, you'll be fine. I am, as it turns out, very anti-dogmatic, I suppose. So anyway, it's also happening in Purva Ashada Nakshatra, near the final degrees of Sagittarius. And we'll talk, of course, more about what a nakshatra is, what that means, how that adds layer layers of depth. But I want to first point out a couple other things happening in the night sky around this new moon and to help uh, paint the full picture, I suppose. So first of all, Mars is also in Sagittarius right now. And Mercury recently, as in like Sunday the 7th, just a few days ago, just moved back into Sagittarius. So we've had this thing going on where in tropical astrology and Western astrology on the internet, most folks probably, or at least in the, in the realms I find myself in, I live in the West. So everybody just does Western astrology and doesn't differentiate. Um, they're talking about how we're in Capricorn season, but really we're not really, we're nearing the end of Sagittarius season. We will soon be in Capricorn season, but under the sidereal zodiac, the energy around Sagittarius is still really heightened right now and has been for a while because Mercury retrograded through Sagittarius in late December, moved back into Scorpio for a little bit and then had to re, you know, move forward after going direct through that section of Scorpio and has just moved back to Sagittarius and 
still has another like over a week before Mercury moves on from Sagittarius. And this new moon is happening in Sagittarius, which means the sun is still in sidereal Sagittarius and will be there because a new moon is when the moon and the sun can join in a sign. And so the sun will be there until this Sunday, January 14th, when it moves into Capricorn. And so I would urge you, like, maybe if you're, if you're one of those people, like I get comments on YouTube sometimes, people are like, um, excuse me, it's not in Sagittarius, it's in Capricorn or whatever. People want to correct me. If you're one of those people, I highly doubt you're still listening by now. Um, but if you are, and you are still listening, then I would urge you to try on for size, or especially if you're like, just unsure, you're like, I don't know which system is right. Um, I see value in both, whatever. Don't know where to turn, what to listen to, maybe don't know enough to form an opinion. How have the last few weeks of your life felt? So I would wonder if they have felt more like setting broad goals, visioning, like envisioning how you want the year to go. Maybe you've even been doing vision boards um, and considering how your values play into your vision for the year or whatever. Or have you been um, really like, you know, I don't know, doing the work of whatever you're envisioning for the year? Have you like already started on doing that work? And so those two archetypes are really illustrative. Is that how you pronounce that? They really well illustrate the difference between Sagittarius and Capricorn energy. And so Sagittarius energy has been heightened for the past several weeks, going on a month now. We're almost to the beginning of Capricorn season, which is marked by the sun, Mercury, Venus, all moving there and heightening the energy around Capricorn. But we have still been in Sagittarius energy, which has more to do with thinking philosophically, um, thinking about how your values play into how you want to show up in the world, setting um, goals maybe about how you're going to broaden your horizons, perhaps also heightened optimism, which is something I think we really see um, around the new year. Folks are always like, new year, new me. And, and it's funny because I think people have gotten less so like the, the not setting new year's resolutions and setting a word for the year and intention for the year has really like gained popularity. Like I've seen people I know who aren't even into yoga or anything start doing that. Um, so that's gained popularity, but that's still a very Sagittarius thing, right? And Capricorn energy is more like how are you going to build the structure into your life to like just get down to business and do the work, right? That's more Capricorn energy. And we really don't see that until mid to late January into February. And um, what I'd like to point out about that is that maybe you have been trying to, since the first do that whole new year, new me thing, I'm going to start doing something different. And maybe it hasn't felt right. Like it hasn't felt easy. And that could that could have to do with starting a new habit. But also the energy as we move more into that Capricorn season, really largely like next week and beyond, um, will be more supportive of that. So now is really the time, especially at this new moon. I'm getting ready to tell you why. But I was hoping that that um, explanation question, I guess, would help. 
with understanding these energies. So now, especially at this new moon, like I was saying, is a time to really get clear on your vision for the year, right? And maybe even beyond the year, but especially for like now until six months from now, when there's a full moon in Sagittarius, that kind of thing, like what for the bulk of this year are you going to focus on, bring to life? In what ways do you want to like expand your horizons? So that's, we'll, we'll get into more about how to sort of parse that out in the journal prompt section. Let's talk a little bit more about the qualities of Sagittarius and the nakshatra where this is happening of Purva Shada to just further paint the picture, I suppose. So first of all, Sagittarius is a fire sign ruled by Jupiter. So that sort of passionate and philosophical, maybe also like passionate about your beliefs energy is really high in Sagittarius. So on the positive side of Sagittarius energy, so also like what you might be setting your intentions around at this new moon would be things like um, considering your values and what are your ideals and what ways do you want to be passionate in expanding in that direction, right? But the unfavorable side is, in my opinion, being perhaps blunt, like um, speaking your truth, but having no like kindness to it, that fiery. So when we're, we're pairing the fiery with Jupiter, like when you're just like, I'm just going to say this because I believe it to be true, but you're not, um, you're saying it in a fiery way that can, that can burn other people and not, um, toning it through a lens of kindness. That's, that's kind of a shadow side. I don't know. I not going to lie. I used to be one of those people in my like teenagehood that was like, well, I'm just blunt. And if you don't like it, like that's your problem <laughs> kind of thing, you know? And, and I had to learn personally that that's like, that's not the way. Like, you're not going to convince anybody that way. You're just going to hurt their feelings. Anyway, um, that's just my opinion. That's something I've had to work through in my own chart based on a different placement. But um, that's the vibe of Sagittarius. So at any new moon in general, it's when the moon and the sun come together in the sky. It's a dark moon because of the moon and the sun being at the exact same point in the sky. The moon is not reflecting any of the sun's light. So it's completely dark. It's darker out at night. Um, an aside, because I can't not go on tangents, right, is in the cycle of the moon, it would make sense if you felt lower energy and perhaps even wanted to sleep more around the new moon because of that, because it's darker in the night sky. Um, and then at the full moon, it would make sense if you're like waking up in the middle of the night, um, having a harder time sleeping. I notice this with my kids. My kids in the three days around the full moon, they're like toddlers and they tend to wake up in the night when we're around the full moon and they tend to want to go to bed earlier around the new moon. It's just a pattern I've noticed um, over studying this for their whole lives really and before they were born, but um, I've been studying that specifically their whole lives. But then also, we're in the time of the year, this matters with the whole Sagittarius Capricorn season I've been talking about, is that we're in the time of the year where it's like 
in this time between winter solstice and really Makar Sankranti, which is the day that the sun moves into Capricorn, which is this Sunday, it's like the peak dark time of the year. In fact, Makar Sankranti is celebrated in India as the day the sun starts moving northward again. So it's like the winter solstice is the darkest day of the year. And it really does start, um, the days start getting longer, but I believe, I don't know, I haven't checked the astronomy of this, but this is the explanation of Makar Sankranti, the day the sun moves into Capricorn, which usually falls around January 15th, give or take, um, is when the sun actually starts moving northward in the sky. So, you know, in the winter time, the sun will just move across the southern horizon. It doesn't even come all the way up to like high noon, you know, 12 o'clock in the sky. It doesn't come directly overhead. It actually moves south and moves across the southern horizon. So on Makara Sankranti, the beginning of Capricorn season, actual Capricorn season, is when the, not only are the days getting longer now, but um, the sun is getting brighter because it's moving higher up in the sky, if that makes sense. And so with that, we're still in this time because of the new moon, because of the winter, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, and this is a caveat I always like to give, I apologize if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, because I've lived, I know many of you are listening to this podcast, um, I've lived in the Northern Hemisphere my entire life, and Vedic astrology was invented in the Northern Hemisphere, so I have a hard time um, wrapping my head around how that plays out in an embodied sense, archetypally, when the seasons are opposite, but, so I'm speaking from perspective of the northern hemisphere and if you want to explain it to me I'd so be open to that you can email me rosemary at yogiscopes.com you can hit me up on social media yogiscopes on like whatever platforms the facebook group would be a good way to do that if you just go to yogiscopes on facebook and find it find the facebook group that way anyway we're just in this time at least in the northern hemisphere but because of the new moon because of winter where we're laying low we're setting our vision for the future. And we've been in that vibe for several weeks now. And hopefully you've given yourself permission to just steep on it, stew on it, think about it a lot. I've, if you're in the 100 healers circle, you've had lots of chances via the Mercury retrograde meditation challenge, um, via the office hours and new moon and full moon work over the past little bit and the yearly planning party to steep on it. And I really do think you should steep on it. And this new moon is the time that hopefully all that steeping on it has bubbled up into something delicious or whatever. I don't know. Yummy tea, whatever. Um, so let's talk about the nakshatra before I get into the yoga practices and journal prompts for the new moon. Purva Shada is one of a pair. There's Purva and Uttara Shada. There's three sets of these pairs of nakshatras and that doesn't necessarily matter it's just a fun fact um where purva me the translation of purva shada is the former invincible one or the former unconquered whereas uttara shada the other one in the pair is the latter invincible one the latter unconquered so um that's why that's where the former piece comes from but the important archetype here is that this nakshatra is one of being invincible, being unconquered or unconquerable. Um, and so the symbol 
for the nakshatra is um, a bed, a fan, because actually the symbol being a fan is because the, sh the stars that make up this nakshatra. Nakshatras are just, they're called lunar mansions, but they're like a few stars out of a constellation, usually one to like four or five stars. This one is three stars in um, the constellation of Sagittarius, and they look like a fan in the night sky. So that's where that's coming from. But also another symbol of this nakshatra is an elephant tusk. And who do we know as the elephant in Hindu mythology, Vedic mythology, but Ganesh. And Ganesh is the remover of obstacles, right? So that's going to come up again in our yoga practices in just a second. The deity of this nakshatra is Apis, which is the um, cosmic water, like the, the ruling deity of water. Apis is also the word for the element water um, in Sanskrit, but Apis as a deity is like cosmic waters deified into a god, right? And so all of that um, factors into the characteristics of this nakshatra being fluidity and power. So power in a, in my opinion, feminine sense, also because the ruling planet is Venus. If you think about the power of water versus, say, the power of fire, which is interesting because Sagittarius is also a fire sign, but this nakshatra is, um, has a large connection to water. And so like, if you think of power in a like warrior like sense where they're just, or fire really fire is like destroying everything in its path. It's, um, having power over things that way. Water is more of a power with, you know, it's, it's the feminine. So if you can think of that power over versus power with, Maybe I'll, I'll say more about that in a second. Um, but if you want more resources on that, it's something that Brene Brown talks about a lot. Um, this whole paradigm of where power shared is not power lost, right? Um, and that's really like kind of the idea of the power of water. And so I'm going to read to you a Margaret Atwood quote that is one of my favorite quotes ever that really explains this archetype that we're talking about. So here's the quote from Margaret, Margaret Atwood, Atwood, excuse me. Water does not resist. Water flows. When you plunge your hand into it, all you can feel is a caress. Water is not a solid wall. It will not stop you, but water always goes where it wants to go and nothing in the end can stand against it. Water is patient. Dripping water wears away stone. Remember, my child, remember you are half water. If you can't go through an obstacle, go around it. Water does. So that's the quote. I love that. Um, that whole imagery of like, you know, dripping water. If it just drips forever, it will like put a hole in rock, you know, over time. It ha it's like a very, it won't happen immediately. It will also like, if you see the stones in a river or creek, they get very smooth because the water just gently shapes them, right? Um, and so that's the kind of idea also with Ganesh, like the, the remover of obstacles um, with the elephant tusk symbolism of this nakshatra is that like, can you think of it as like, you don't have to trample every obstacle 
You can just sidestep it a little bit, go around it, right? You can go over it. You can think of a much more patient and um, in flow approach to getting where you're trying to go, which comes back to that invincibleness, that unconqueredness, that what, what would you try if you couldn't fail? What if you changed your mindset around failure to instead be um, patient with obstacles? Every time you encounter an obstacle, it's not a failure. It's a something to be patient and flow with and flow around or go over or slowly over time, smooth it away, right? Instead of thinking of this like fiery, I'm just going to burn it all down. Or as soon as I hit an obstacle, like water hitting a rock, water doesn't stop when it hits a rock, right? Um, and when need be, water can also be super powerful. Like water can, you know, you think in the form of like waves, it's like with, uh, or like surface tension. I don't know if you ever jumped in water from, from really high up. That's actually like, I think about that sometimes with, um, like water will not stop you. It can, it can pack a punch, but still, if you're gentle with it, it's gentle back, if that makes sense. So hopefully you can think of that vibe with this nakshatra and think of taking that approach to whatever goals you're setting um, for the year, for the next six months, for the lunar cycle, for the overall scheme of your life, whatever. Um, hopefully, at least this is how we approach it in our yearly planning party that we do every year. There's guided exercises in the, in the 2024 planner that you can still get if you go to yogiscopes.com slash 2024. Um, there's guided exercises to hopefully you're kind of taking that vision for your life and breaking it down into intentions for the year, intentions for the quarter, intentions for the month or lunar cycle, and then intentions for the day. And it's all tied into that sort of overall intention. And at this time of year, especially in Sagittarius season, we're revisiting that, if that makes sense. So that's the idea. And hopefully these yoga practices and journal prompts will help. So the yoga practices first, can you think of flowing movements? So can you maybe, um, a good example, like in warrior two, warrior two is a perfect example of Sagittarius energy. So some flowing movements you could incorporate into warrior two would be, maybe you can take your back arm to palm to palm with your front arm and slide that hand all the way down the arm across the chest until it comes back to that place. So it will be exhale to close off. Inhale like you're pulling back a bow to open into back into regular warrior two arms. And you can flow with that, feeling the flowing of your chest, feeling the exhale to close off, inhaling to expand, and also that pulling back an arrow, like what are your, your goals, your vision? Where, where are you going to shoot that arrow to, right? Um, that's one flowing movement. Another one is the classic um, inhale to reverse your warrior, exhale to extended side angle, that kind of stuff. Just play with it, right? Um, and also bridge flow would be a good one. So it really connecting to 
your hips and thighs and the engagement of your glutes and hamstrings and flowing, you know, in and out of bridge pose and seeing if you can make it a flowing movement. And then another is the Ganesh mantra, of course, which is Om Gam Ganapateye Namaha. So you could either chant that with malas, with mala beads chanted 108 times. You could like listen to a Ganesh mantra uh, kirtan, like song. You can find them, you know, YouTube, Spotify, whatever. Listen along, sing along, chant with your own um, malas if you like, or even chant it in your practice. And so quickly, before we get into the journal prompts, I would love to invite you to the creative sequencing based on astrology masterclass. So I've offered this for four before it's free and I have updated it. In my opinion, it's a lot better than last time. There are three time slots that you can choose from to attend. So you'll go to yogiscopes.com slash masterclass to choose a time slot that works for you. They're all live. They're on Zoom with me. You can ask me questions at the end about anything you want to. Um, and they count as an hour and a half of continuing education credit through Yoga Alliance. And so the reasons you might like to come is if you're like enjoying this, the yoga practices that for the astrological weather, if you want to learn how to do that, the logic behind it. Um, and also it's especially geared at yoga teachers. So do you have to be a yoga teacher to come or to enjoy it? Absolutely not, because we are also going to focus on your personal practice and how to bring this stuff into your personal practice. But there will also be tips and strategies for yoga teachers to no longer feel burnout, um, no longer feel like you're over planning your classes with those kind of things that you have to throw out the window to teach who actually shows up in front of you, no longer feel like you're under planning your classes where you might have had that happen a bunch of times where you're like, oh, I had this whole plan and the people that showed up are just, this is absolutely not going to work for them. So you have to throw it out the window and teach something on the fly. But then you're like, um, is my message really landing when that happens? It's going to have the answer to that. Some actionable tips and strategies, how to not feel that way anymore. And of course, as I'm sure you could guess, we're going to talk about how astrology, I think, in my opinion, in my very educated and well-practiced opinion, is the answer to that and the answer to letting our yoga practice flow over time and change over time, our personal yoga practice. So I would love to see you there, the creative sequencing based on Vedic Astrology Masterclass. You can go to yogiscopes.com slash masterclass to sign up. The first date is January 16th next Tuesday. And there are a couple more to choose from over next week. So I would love if you could join us. It's free. It counts for contact hours of continuing education credit. And you can ask me all your questions. I would be so delighted if you came. So here are your journal prompts for the new moon in Sagittarius. So back to that first question that I posed to you. If you were invincible, couldn't fail or lose what would you try? And what do you want to be in flow of as if you couldn't be defeated? So um, with that, I would urge you to perhaps look back at maybe things you tried before, pursuits, or, um, you know, 
activities, ways of being, identities that you've tried before that you maybe quit when it got hard, right? Is there some element of that? And um, with that, the next journal prompt is in what ways could you be more like water when you encounter an obstacle? And so with that, I want to read you this Margaret Atwood quote one more time, and we'll end on that note. So Margaret Atwood says, water does not resist, water flows. When you plunge your hand into it, all you feel is a caress. Water is not a solid wall. It will not stop you, but water always goes where it wants to go and nothing in the end can stand against it. Water is patient. Dripping water wears away stone. Remember that, my child. Remember you are half water. If you can't go through an obstacle, go around it. Water does. And with that in mind, please keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends, take good care of yourselves.